You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, a UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 140 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and not joining me in the kitchen studio this week is my co-host Matt Smith. He is uh, he's on leave. I've given him I've given him a, a day off, a week off or a night off, however you want to call it. He's uh, currently driving a coach full of high school children back from um, the NEC in Birmingham. Don't know what he's been doing in Birmingham, but uh, um, that's where he is. He's uh, at the NEC in Birmingham driving back to uh, back to East Anglia here where we are. So safe driving, Matt, if you're uh, more editing, Matt. Thank, thanks for that, <laughs> Nev. Yeah, it's a safe drive to you, Matt, uh, on your uh, on your journey home. Hopefully, uh, you'll uh, get back here nice and safe and ready for next week's show when you can do all this, which has <laughs> it's been a bit of a stress. But I have got uh, a guest co-host with me in the studio tonight in the kitchen studio. Uh, he's been on the show before. He was at the hundredth uh, episode we done at uh, the Vulcan at the Norwich Aviation Museum on on that very cold day. I remember. So uh, welcome into the studio, David Corson. Thank you very much, Carlos. It's good to be here again. Uh, I haven't got the technical wizardry that I think Matt has, but I think we'll try and make as much editing as possible uh, <laughs> to leave him with. So uh, he'll be all right. He'll still be involved in the show in some way. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully Matt will have uh, fun with the editing after uh, <laughs> after the thing. So, so how how things with you, David? Things uh, are all right. Still at ground school at CTC, so um, it's not too much to report. No flying for me just yet, but I'm still plodding through my exams. Um, it's been strange going back to a classroom again, but so far so good. So, uh, a few more months of that left, and uh, I'll get some flying done. So, have you have you had the chance to do any uh, flying then? I've been flying with a few of my friends. I'm lucky enough that. Um, uh, a friend at CTC um, flies a 172, so I've been up with him uh, a couple of times, which has been good fun, but it's not part of my course as yet. Oh, wow, wow. Well, I haven't had a chance to go flying lately because I've been grounded by the British, weather, British the weather. British weather. I was supposed to go flying oh, um, last, uh, no, this week, sorry, on um, Tuesday. And uh, unfortunately, we had gusts of, I think we had gusts of 42 knots here. Which uh, for the Cessna 150 would have been is, a good test, wouldn't it? Good fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd enjoy that much at all. No. But uh, but no, I hopefully I'm going to have a lesson next week and uh, maybe nail another one of those uh, dreaded exams. And you're getting through the exam, so that's the important thing. Not yes. the not fun bit, which needs no, to be done. That's hideous, I tell you. Honestly, <laughs> you've got those loads to look forward to. Yeah, I've done a few. They're not the not the best fun, but there we go. Including your uh, including the solo and stuff, you've got that told oh, to all, all of that to come. Yeah, that yeah. seems like in the distant future. Just yeah, I'm still <laughs> in a in a metal box in the classroom, but it's all to come. Oh, good, good. Well, we'll have a chat with you later on the show, David, to see what would, uh, what else you've been up to. So, um, so yeah, so uh, we're here, as it is. Like I said, it's episode 140. Uh, it is the 25th of November, and it's uh, it's 12 minutes past seven, so we've started nearly on time, which is actually quite and good for a till, change. a month till Christmas. And a month till Christmas. Very awesome. true, yeah. Yeah, Christmas is uh, is fast approaching. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah. For those uh, for those listening, we're going to have a special Christmas show this year with all our bits and pieces from the Farnborough uh, meetup and stuff with uh, the videos and stuff that we took from there this year, which will be will be on there for you to watch in our Christmas special. And don't forget, also uh, we've got our Christmas competition, the caption competition as well, to uh, to win those awesome prizes we had in last week's show. Um, I haven't had a chance 
do to put the picture on Facebook yet, which I will be doing that tonight, uh, the photo caption uh, for that. So we've had a few uh, people email in some uh, rather amusing captions for uh, for that photo, but I'll get that up on Facebook after tonight's show. See, I felt guilty there for not looking at it, and I thought, oh, I can't tell them that I have it in the picture, but it wasn't part from Facebook, so it's not my fault, so it's all right. No, it's not, it's not you. your fault, David. It's not your fault. It's me. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention I'm being slow. I'm being slow. But uh, yeah, so there we go. So uh, we uh, we've got loads of news uh, to get through uh, on the show today, and uh, well, we're going to start things as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, David, I'm ready indeed. Let's go. So kicking off this week's first news story then, and uh, this one is on the Telegraph site, this one. And the headline is Scotland to get its own national airline with tartan planes. And uh, the story after 24 years of operating under franchise agreements with other airlines, Glasgow-based Loganair has announced that it will start flying under its own name. The airline, a franchise of Flybee since 2007, will commence independent operations on September the 1st, 2017, promising to bring a new, definitively Scottish identity to the skies. It's yet to be revealed uh, quite what the Scottish identity will entail. However, today's announcement was accompanied by an artist's impression of the airline's new livery. Uh, emblazoned with Scotland's airline on its side and a tail covered in red and black tartan. Loganair, which uh, operates 300 flights to and from Glasgow every week, plans to provide more than 1,000 flights each week once uh, independent connecting its Scottish hubs with cities such as London, Norwich, ooh, Manchester, Dublin uh, and Bergen in Norway. Uh, its co-chair agreement with British Airways will continue uh, it's already the largest airline in the Highlands and Islands, connecting the likes of Inverness and Sunberg, Kirkwall and Barrows Beach uh, Airport with larger UK hubs. It also operates the world's shortest scheduled flight at two minutes long between Westray and Papa Westray on the Orkney Islands. Today's announcement uh, is a major milestone for the 54-year uh, year history of Loganair, says Peter Simpson, chief executive of the airline. Uh, although Loganair has flown a franchise carrier for larger airlines over the last 24 years, there is still a huge level of recognition and affinity for the Loganair name uh, throughout Scotland and beyond. We believe the time is right for Scotland's airline to now spread its wings once again and are delighted to be introducing a bold new corporate identity uh, to accompany this important move. Alongside its scheduled passenger services, Loganair undertakes contract services for Royal Mail and the oil and gas companies. It currently employs over 600 staff and operates a fleet of 28 aircraft. So there we go. Is that an airline that you're, uh, you're know, you know of, Logan Air? Yeah, of course, yeah. I'm surprised they haven't done this before, actually. They've gone and branched out on their own. They're obviously quite a big airline in Scotland. Uh, with the amount of islands and highlands, like it says in the article there, that, that it links together is absolutely vital. So I'm surprised it didn't happen before. And that livery there is going to be absolutely awesome. Yeah, if that's, that's how it actually turns out in real life. That will be absolutely brilliant. It'll be interesting to see if it does actually turn out like that. Is, um, that is quite an interesting uh, livery, definitely, David, yeah. There's a joke in there somewhere about what's under the livery, isn't there, if they're wearing anything. <laughs> but there we go. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know what fleet. Uh, I think they've got all turbo prop fleet, Logan. Yeah, I'm fairly sure they're all turbo prop fleet. So, um, yeah, it's good news then to have the Scotland's have their own. Um, well, their own airline. Well, they're going to branch off their own, aren't they? Branch off, yeah, so, uh, it's, it's good. Yeah, I'm glad it's happening. It's, it's good. Good for them. Hopefully, they can keep um, expanding and um, Flyby obviously haven't going to take over them kind of flights. So. Uh, Long way to continue, really, for Logan Air. Yeah, good news. So next story is for you then, David. It is for me. Um, and this one is on the thedrum.com, and it's airlines' um, engagement with customers on social media is now critical su- to success. Um, forget about putting, being put on hold on the phone. Customers today make a beeline for the airline's social media, han- uh, social media handles and work their way from there. From updates on crises... Um, to feedback about in-flight service, social media has now become the most important and fastest way for airlines to connect with their customers, as well as for customers to get real-time information regarding their flights. Social media has also served as an excellent live, go-to platform for airlines, not only to connect, but also engage with their stakeholders. Here are three ways on how social media impacts the airline industry. Um, firstly, as a choice of platform for customer engagement, uh, many conversations between airlines and passengers take place on social media platforms, rather than on the phone or through emails. It often starts with public exchanges on public channels before shifting to direct or private messages during the latter stages of customer service. For example, when such discussions require sharing of personal data in order to resolve the issue. Uh, major airlines have de- dedicated teams to monitor conversations on their social media platforms and typically respond within the, within the day. Uh, Interestingly, in India, the airline Indigo took to social media to showcase their punctuality. Uh, The airline's social media team would proudly share updates with their followers with the hashtag ONTIME whenever a flight reached its destination early. However, airlines need to recognise that on social, more than on other platforms, customer engagement is a two-way street. The two-way street also needs to be enabled by a well-connected back-end and translated into empowered customer-facing front-end. Uh, In the case of uh, Dutch airline KLM, a passenger who had her luggage stolen tweeted that she was stuck with wearing the same shirt for six days. While it was their social media team who spotted this, their quick alignment with the customer service team meant that distressed passenger uh, Lou Greeley uh, called for help, was got answered almost immediately. Automated responses will not do for customers who demand empathy in their interactions with brands. Airlines, social media and customer service teams need to be empowered to resolve customer issues with empathy as customers themselves can be a strong community uh, of brand advocates. Uh, According to Nielsen, advocates are one of the most important assets to brand because 92% of customers trust brand advocates for their opinions on a selected brand. Um, secondly, is as a critical crisis response platform, uh, beyond solving immediate customer service issues, both live and real-time platforms have much to offer during times of crisis, as a spate of tragic airline disasters in the past few years have demonstrated. When it comes to emergencies, it's critical to keep all stakeholders informed on a minute-by-minute basis, and the right information gets to the right audience at the right time. As Hurricane Matthew unfolded in the United States, airlines took early initiative and turned to their social media platforms, especially Twitter, to make sure that everyone was kept up to date on flight cancellations as well as trade safety tips. Uh, Ensuring stakeholders are informed of the the measures and responses the the, the airline are making goes a long way in managing uncertainty of both passengers and the general public. AirAge's CEO, Tony Fernandez, is a stellar example of how top leadership can convey authentic and personal commitment through the power of social, med- social media to instill confidence in his stakeholders. During the flight QZ8501 crisis, uh, his tweets were clear, personable, personable and direct. 
this was in stark comparison from, from the way Malaysian Airlines handled the tragedy that struck Malaysian's Airlines uh, MH370 earlier that year. Fernandez's strong personable leadership uh, during a time of crisis coupled with Air Asia's great customer service on social media were perhaps one of the reasons why Air Asia is the largest airline in Malaysia right now in terms of fleet size and destinations. Uh, the lastly here is judici ju judicious use of customer data. Traditionally, being able to have a good feel of what customers think or feel about your airline was only possible through time-consuming on-ground surveys and research. Today, through the use of social media, airlines find it easier to get real-time customers' opinions towards their brand and the overall passenger experience, whether positive or otherwise. By having a strong system that relays customer feedback accurately and on time, airlines will be able to identify gaps in the passenger journey which they, they can then address and get a better gauge of passengers' needs and wants during a flight. Uh, competition between airlines in the region is fierce, more so in a challenging economic climate. While social media is often seen as an extension of corporate communications, the relevance of social media now cuts across human resources, customer service and marketing as well. And the story goes on, but it does go on a bit, doesn't it? But you get the gist. So, social media for, um, well, for for the use and stuff like this. I mean, I, I, I myself on Twitter follow many airlines and stuff around the world, and um, everyone I've talked to who uses social media for mm. complaining have always said that uh, it's a, it's the best way to complain when, exactly. you, when you've got an issue. And it, I think one of the things about it is it's on a public domain, isn't it? As well, so yeah. airlines don't want that negative feedback. Yeah. Uh, I know in the article there it speaks about positive feedback, but I think more important to them is keeping that negative feedback to a minimum. And if they do get any, they want to be dealing with that straight away. Um, and so to have a complaint like that brought up um, in a public domain and then show that it's been resolved in the right way. Um, even though it may be bad press for the airline in the first place, they can show that they can sort these issues out. Then, uh, then fair play to them. Yeah, I've uh, I've used social media quite a few times for complaining. I find that uh, especially with banks, it works. It tends to work very well. Uh, I think <laughs> banks don't want any bad press. I they think, get enough um, already. Britons in general like uh, complaining about things as well, don't we? So, <laughs> what, do you, what are you saying? Well, what I'm just saying, saying stereotypical, isn't it? There we go. But if it gets things sorted, then then why not? I think everyone's had that time. Please hold. Please hold. Please hold. Not getting a response. Not getting a response. So you do what you have to do to to get response out of the airlines. Yeah, and the music you hear is also rubbish, it nine times out of ten, the on-hold music. So moving on, next story is on the USA Today, and uh, this is a special story just for Captain Jeff, who uh, he was in the chat, I don't know if he's still in the chat room, David, perhaps you can see if he's still in there. He said he was driving, so oh, I he's driving. Looked at he was driving, so I don't expect a response to him, he's probably a bit quiet, we, okay. don't, we don't want to put him off too much. So a special story for, uh, for Captain Jeff uh, on the USA Today site, and uh, the headline, Like McDonald's Coffee, You Can Soon Get It On This Airline. So uh, if you've uh, ever had a hankering for McDonald's coffee at 35,000 feet, you'll soon be in luck when you fly on Canadian uh, carrier WestJet. Uh, McDonald's beat out com uh, competing bids from Starbucks and Canadian brand Tim Hortons for an exclusive contract to provide its coffee on WestJet's 650 daily flights. Uh, WestJet will become the world's first airline to exclusively serve McDonald's McCaff coffee on its flights. Uh, the first cup served under the meal deal will come uh, on Monday on a flight from Toronto to, Cal uh, to Calgary. 
Uh, WestJet ex, uh, ex expects to expand the offering to all of its Boeing 737 and Boeing 767 aircraft by December the 1st. WestJet also plans uh, to serve the McDonald's Brew on its flights operated by its Encore regional affiliate, uh, though the company did reveal a precise timeline for that. Uh, the in-flight coffee will be a special McCaff brew designed for the different perception of taste at high altitudes. It will be served in cups that feature a special McCaff and WestJet uh, design. Um, the, uh, it says we serve 30,000 cups of da a day, so clearly good visibility for the McCaff brand, WestJet CEO Greg Starsky says to the Canadian press. How it helps us, we're going to be serving a better cup of coffee, so it improves the guest experience and just ups the game in the coffee wars in the Canadian skies. The CBC writes the move is the latest uh, front in all-out war in the coffee industry to win the Canadians' loyalties in their coffee buying. Tim Hortons was once an untouchable in the uh, space, but McDonald's has made uh, inroads with its free coffee promotions. Air Canada, Canada's biggest airline, has an, ex uh, an exclusive contract with Second Cup, while uh, number three Porter Airlines uh, uses Starbucks. According to the CBC, WestJet is Canada's second biggest carrier. Well, <laughs> McCaff. There you go. Third thousand feet. I can't believe. Um, I don't know if I can comment on this much because I don't drink coffee. You don't drink coffee, don't do you, David? No, it's that's an absolute <laughs> outrage. I know everyone's going to be really angry at me in a bit, but I don't drink coffee. But I was wondering when you're reading this: is do you think this might be the start of McDonald's in aeroplanes? McDonald's just, food on board aircraft. I Put that to the chat room, everyone in the chat room. How would you feel about having a, uh, a you know McDonald's? Is, ca is Captain Al still in there? Yeah, actually, that should, <laughs> yeah, Captain Al, that'd be quite good for. Yeah, I think you'd like that. Maybe I should get that for Royal Jet. Actually, first Steph and Al could do a chicken <laughs> McNugget eating challenge actually while uh, while I'm bored. That would be, awesome, That'd be quite good. Be yeah. good. So there we go. Cuff, coffee then uh, on uh, on board uh, WestJet. I'm sure at, uh, I'm sure the guys and girls in the chat room are going to love that one. Do you think that would make you fly with them more? Think, oh, I've got two prices. They're fairly similar, but we'll go with WestJet because we get a McDonald's coffee. <laughs> I, I can't let you say I've ever had a McDonald's coffee, but you know I'm, I'm sure it's nice. Well, we've yeah. all had Starbucks, I think, in, in our time. But exactly. um, yeah, oh well, we'll leave that one. So move on to the next story, David. It's all yours. Uh, right, this one is from CBC News, uh, and it's planes clip wings on Vancouver Airport tarmac, leaving both unable to fly. Um, a United Airlines plane clipped wings with a WestJet aircraft. He was busy drinking coffee, probably. <laughs> yeah, but, um, after the on uh, aircraft Thursday morning on the tarmac at Vancouver International Airport, leaving both planes damaged and unable to fly. The incident happened while the United Airbus A319 was being towed into gate 77 of the airport's international terminal. Um, United spokesman Charlie Hobart said that there were no customers on board the aircraft. He also said both planes were being towed at the time. Uh, but in a statement, WestJet spokeswoman Lauren, Stu Lor sorry, Lauren Stewart uh, maintained the WestJet aircraft was stationary during the collision. Uh, crew members were shaken, apparently. WestJet also said there were no guests or crew on board its aircraft. A witness who was waiting to board uh, the plane said crew members he spoke to were visibly shaken and described the incident as feeling like a big earthquake. Emergency responders attended the scene, but an airport spokesperson said there were no, report, no reports of injuries. Hobart said United didn't know how the collision happened. Our aircraft was being towed from one gate to a different gate, he said. 
Uh, they did come in contact with one another, and the authorities on the ground are still trying to determine how and why. Hobart said that the empty planes docking at the gate are subject to the same rules and ground crew guidance as an aircraft full of passengers. The ground crews uh, are all professionals, he said. I can't speak for the folks in Vancouver, but in terms of this kind of incident happening, it doesn't happen very often. Hobart said a different United Airlines plane would take, the, uh, would take place of the damaged Airbus A319 that was scheduled to, f to fly uh, to San Francisco later that day. WestJet said it was also bringing a replacement plane. WestJet Flight 1722 Vancouver to Palm Springs experienced damage to a winglet when it was struck at low speed by another aircraft being towed to a nearby gate, read the statement. Flight 1722 was cancelled guests are being reaccommodated on another aircraft which was expected to depart approximately three hours later we've had a few instances like this just lately haven't we have you i've taken you because you've obviously you, you listen to the show david of course yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you uh you would have seen that we had uh, a few instances like that um it's surprising really um i know the gates are tight um but these aren't big aircraft for the gates you would have thought so mm. 319 is relatively normal it's not they should have plenty of space, you'd have thought, in the designing. It's not like they're 380s or the, um, the new 777s, everything, that with extra um, wide um, wings. It's, it's surprising, really, that I don't think if I was in that position, you'd just be extra safe. Don't go anywhere near it. Just stay well <laughs> clear of any other planes. But uh, we Apparently had not. There, were, there was a there was a couple, a couple of quite serious ones a few a few weeks, a few months back when the, where the aircraft had uh, had clipped or or had, uh, kind of run into each it's, other I can't, on the tarmac. I mean, obviously, I'm not ground handling or anything, but you'd think you someone might be guiding it and see that it's going to happen and think, "Well, just slow slow it down." Go if it's close, just go steady. I, I don't see really that they should be they should be touching like this, but especially when they're not, they're under being towed this. I was going to say, if, uh, if, if anyone wants to, wants to give me a job, I'd love to be a ground handler. <laughs> and I promise I won't ding your aircraft. <laughs> I'd be incredibly uh, um, uh, you know, careful with them. So anyone, anyone listening at Norwich Airport, uh, yeah, just give me, a, give me a call. That'd be great. <laughs> so next story, moving on. And this one is on the, once it loads up, here we go, is on the Japan Today website. And um, a uh, headline is new scanners to reduce need for unpacking at airport security. So uh, makers of scanners used in airports are testing new technology that could soon make uh, taking liquids and laptops uh, out of carry-on bags a thing of the past, uh, speeding up security lanes for passengers. Uh, manufacturers such as Smith's Detection and L3 Communications are developing and testing new scanners uh, using computed techno uh, tomog tomography, Tomo tomogra something like that, something yeah. like that. Tomog yeah. tomography, uh, CT imaging, uh, which produce more detailed images than regular X-rays. Uh, because liquids and electronic devices do not need to be removed with the new scanners, fewer trays of belongings and images of their contents are required, representatives of Smith's and L3 told Reuters at a security conference in Brussels. Yeah, Europe's airports spend 5 billion euros uh, a year, or $5.3 billion a year, on security, according to Airports Association ACI Europe, uh, which organised a conference. Uh, L3, which makes uh, already makes CT scanners for hold uh, baggage, is currently trialling its clear scan scanner for hand baggage at airports in Amsterdam, Johannesburg, 
uh, a marketing representative for the conference has said. A spokesman, uh, a spokeswoman for Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam said the results of the tests were good. Uh, passengers still need to place liquids in clear plastic bags, uh, but the bag can remain in the luggage. It leads to fewer rejections of hand baggage and therefore fewer additional checks, uh, she told Reuters, adding that if the trial is completed successfully, Schiphol will use the scanners in all 67 security lanes from 2017. Rival Smith's detection is still in development stage with its scanner and hopes to launch it at a trade fair in Munich in October next year. It said the scanner will have an advantage over rival CT models uh, because of the conveyor belt that will move at the same speed as current scanners, whereas uh, where all others are slower. In addition, the images take longer to analyse due to the level of detail, Cameron Mann, Global Market Director for Aviation at Smith's Detection, told Reuters. A Schiphol spokeswoman confirmed that the new L3 scanners uh, were not faster than current devices, but said that the overall security of uh, security process was quicker because passengers did not need uh, time to retrieve their bag, laptop, and liquids. Uh, this is, um, I suppose, this is definitely going to speed things up, David. If they can, um, you'd hope so. There's, get the scanner here. You certainly think there's a market for it because you certainly get enough complaints of these long queues and people paying a little bit extra money so that they can um, bypass the queues or find a faster way through them. So if it helps, um, then then go for it. I did see there that it says that the um, the liquids still need to be in a clear plastic bag, but the bag can remain in the luggage. In the luggage so that yeah. means you need to do this at home. Think ahead, which not everyone does. <laughs> they get one of those bags, they're handing out to them, and then they quickly rush around and put it in the right bag. So as long as everyone's prepared and puts it in the plastic bag like they should, hopefully everything should go a lot smoother. I only ma- I, ma- I did make the mistake once um, last year where I um, forgot to take my tablet out of my hand luggage case, which... Uh, yeah, didn't go down too well break. with actually, security. I actually went. I don't even know if I should say this, but it's too late. I've started, haven't I? Um, I um, <laughs> drop yourself. Yeah, in, there David. we go. Drop I went um, to Dublin last year, um, and we had a few drinks on in the minibus on the way. It was a stag do, um, and I had these in my bag. Uh, they were cans of Fosters, <laughs> and I thought I'd got them all out. And then I got to the airport security, and I thought, yeah, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And then I got called over to one side. I was like, oh, no, what's in there? And then the security guy pulls out this can of Fosters and just looks at me for an, for an answer. I'm like, oh, oh sorry. It didn't go down too well either. But it was all right. He said he chucked it away, and I carried yeah, on. That, so there that we went, go. But that, that went, in the, that went in the security guy's fridge, <laughs> yeah, and they had those later that night, David. It wasn't my yeah. finest hour, but there so, we go. At least so they found it. I'd be a bit more worried if they hadn't found it, I think. <laughs> So the next story is uh, is all for you then, Dave. It's a, it's a quite a special story. This is um, especially for Captain Al, and uh, yeah, Captain Al and uh, Captain Nick as well. He'll exactly, like these stories. Yeah. Yeah. This one's from the Seattle Times, and it's Airbus completes the first flight of the A three fifty one thousand Challenger to Boeing's big twin jets. Uh, the largest version of the Airbus A350 wide-body twin jet made its first flight Thursday in Toulouse, France, achieving an important milestone in the European plane-maker's strategic sales battle with Boeing. Uh, the largest version of the Airbus A350 wide-body twin jet made its first flight Thursday in Toulouse, France, um, achieving... Oh, well, that was the same as the title, wasn't it? Let's carry on. Um, the A350-1000, seating 366 passengers, is approximately the same size as Boeing's best-selling current wide-body, the 777-300ER, which typically seats 365 passengers. The new Airbus jet is an inch longer than the Boeing's, though the 777's cabin is nine inches wider. 
Uh, the A350's key advantage is that it's lighter, all composite air, uh, airplane with new engines giving it longer range and higher fuel efficiency than the 777. That's why new sales of the 777-300ER have plummeted. Uh, in response, Boeing has launched the new, even larger, 777X model, the first version of which is due to enter service in 2020 and will seat more than 400 passengers. Though both manufacturers are toying with the idea of even larger models of both jet families, the fact that Boeing has sold more than 800 of its 777-300ERs since 1990 suggests that the A350-1000 may be the right size to hit the sweet spot on the big jet uh, big twin jet market. So far, the Airbus has booked 195 orders for their Airbus A350-1000. Uh, meanwhile, the four-turbine Boeing 747 and the Airbus's own A380 Superjumbo struggle to find buyers. Uh, Zafar Khan, an analyst at Societe Generale in London, said that the price of crude oil would need to drop much lower than the $50 a barrel for four-engine planes to have a chance of uh, rena renaissance. Renaissance. There we go. Uh, as long as fuel prices remain at elevated levels, the two-engine jets will clearly prevail, he said. Uh, before the advent of the so-called big twin aircraft, older two-engine wide bodies such as the 767 and the A330 were limited to medium-haul markets such as the North Atlantic, uh, part partly because of the practical limits on how far they could fly in the event of one turbine failing. The 777 cast off those shackles by winning certification for flights as far as three hours from the nearest airport. Uh, the standard A350-900 has US Federal Aviation Administration approval for up to five hours or 2,000 nautical miles of diversionary flying on a single engine, making possible trips from Southeast Asia and Australia to the, to the US. Uh, a denser configuration, the new 1000 will be able to carry 440 people, less than, the, less than 100 short of the A380's standard 525 passenger layout, though the double-decker could accommodate as many as 800 seats in a single class. Um, the airline's industry's appetite for bigger twin-engine uh, planes was revealed when Airbus scrapped a shrunken A350-800 variant, which was deemed too small at 280 seats, and opted instead to upgrade the 330 for shorter routes. Uh, with the A350-1000 attracting fewer than 200 orders versus about 600 for the baseline 900, uh, airlines appear to be holding out for something still bigger, though Francois Cordon, Airbus's senior vice president for marketing, said in Toulouse it's not yet ready to commit to a double stretch of the plane, dubbed the A350-2000. The 1000 already addresses a sweet spot in the market and is 20 tonnes lighter and 25% more fuel efficient than Boeing's 777-300ER, he said. Um, Boeing, though it is adding more seats to its best-selling widebody with new slimline berths taking the total to 396 while still retaining three classes. Twinjet capacity will increase still further from 2020 when the US company introduces the 777X upgrade, the largest version of which will seat as many as 425 people in three classes. A bigger version is under consideration, able to take upwards of 450 travellers, making it a true jumbo, jumbo jet in its own right. Uh, all told, the A350, 787 and 777 have unfilled orders totalling more than 1,950 planes versus just 29 for the 747 and only 121 for the A380. The four-engine Airbus A340, which emerged around the time of the 777, is already out of production. The A350-1000's debut flight means Airbus has met its goal of getting the model into the air before the end of 2016, with Qatar Airways scheduled to be the first carrier to deploy the aircraft next year. 
The manufacturer is still racing to deliver 50 A350 900s promised this year amid delays in supplying the interior fittings from suppliers, including Paris-based Safran SA. There we go. I put the pictures up while you were doing that story as well on the uh, YouTube uh, chat room there of the um, of the A350-1000. Uh, it just looks incredibly long. It's, uh, it's just like it's it's just got a, a massive rear. It just goes end. on and on and on and on. <laughs> See, if that had crashed when it was being um, taxi ride, I could understand why. Uh, yeah, that is incredible, isn't it? We'll put they the, could stretch uh, it. And the fact that they say that they could stretch it to a 2,000 even further. There we go. There's the... Uh picture there back again on the screen so you can see it's just uh it just just does look huge um, it's certainly the way forward isn't it if they can get their uh, etox clearance then why go for a four-engine airplane there's really going to be no need for them at all mm, is there yeah definitely but it's uh i i i've not had the chance to fly on a 350 yet um i've only just had the chat i've just been on the dreamliner um a, f- a few uh well, last month sorry on the dreamliner which is lovely on the dash nine but um I, i'm guessing if you had a Look at no, or unfor- the three fifty. Unfortunately, not. No. And what but, are you, David? Boeing or an Airbus man? Well, you know what? This is an interesting <laughs> one because I've always been Boeing. I've always thought, yeah, Boeing. I fly the aeroplane rather than uh, let the computers fly it. But thing I've been learning more and more about the, the the aircrafts and everything, I can seriously I'm starting to see the benefits of the Airbus, and I may be. <laughs> switching across I hate to say it and I'm about to get kicked out of the studio but I think <laughs> I can certainly see the benefits I really can and the A350 especially is absolutely yeah. stunning airplane isn't it I, just, I think we, we said it before on the show I, I, I just think it looks like um, it's got a Zara mask on I think yeah the same. you can always see one can't you that front yeah. <laughs> it's definitely got a Zara mask on but it no it's, 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 a, it's a, you know it'll be nice to, um, to, to have a go on the 350 I'd like to ha- like to fly on the 350 and um, and compare it with the with the Dreamliner yeah, just to see what the, the comparison is between the two and see which one's better anyone in the chat room uh, been on the 350 yet um, I mean they've been in service now for a little while I just wonder if anyone in the chat room probably Nev's been on the 350 because Nev just you know, he goes all around the world, doesn't he? Thousands of times, but um, they're they're busy chatting in the chat room. Actually, David talking about the um, the dream. That's a, rac- a, rac- a raccoon mask. That's a good one. That is. It does look like a raccoon, doesn't it? <laughs> Maybe that's the new uh, nickname for it. The raccoon mask. I, I like that one. Right. So we move on to the next story, which is on the Irish Post site, and. Uh, it's a Ryanair story. Oh, blimey, I've picked that one for myself. <laughs> How did that work out? I thought that was going to be the second story then. But Matt's getting me back now. Matt's <laughs> getting me back now. He's not here, but he's, uh, he's getting me back. So uh, on the Irish Post, this one then. Uh, the headline, Fly for Free. Ryanair plans to cut fares on its flights. Uh, budget Irish uh, airline Ryanair is planning to completely cut its fares, but you'll have to wait at least five years to fly for free, as in free, as in no money. Chief Executive Michael O'Leary said that he is considering plans to cut fares completely in a bid to increase passenger numbers, explaining the move will be possible if airports agree to share retail revenues with the airliner. 
Uh, and uh, he admitted that bigger airports such as Heathrow were unlikely to agree to such a deal, but said that smaller sites looking uh, to increase air traffic would be interested. Ryanair had previously offered flights for as little as 1p, uh, but Mr O'Leary explained that the airline was operating at a loss after changes to passenger air duty meant the company now pays £13 for every seat sold in Britain. The airline promised to cut the cost of seats by 10 to 15 percent this year, but outlined plans to increase passenger numbers by 80 million to 200 million per year by 2024. Mr. O'Leary told the Airport Operators Association on Monday that he was considering abolishing fares in five to ten years in order to increase passenger numbers. Uh, the challenge for us in the future is to keep driving fares down, Mr. O'Leary told The Guardian. I have this vision that in the next five to ten years the airfares on Ryanair will be free, in which case the flights will be full and we will be making our money out, uh, out sharing the airport revenues of all the people who will be running the airport, uh, through the airports and getting a share of the shopping and retail revenues at airports, he said. I think it will happen, it just won't happen at Heathrow or the big hub airports, but most of the other airports who are looking for big traffic growth, that process is already starting to happen, lowering airport fees and some of the charges. If airport passenger or air passenger duty is gone at many airports, I'm paying more than £20 already with air passenger um, duty and fees. If I start getting that back, why not, he added. I'm doing seat sales this week, as in this week, uh, at £4 and paying the £13 uh, passenger duty, which means I'm paying you to fly with me. Instead of promotional tickets being £9 or £5, they'll be free. Average fares on Ryanair last year were £39, including one checked bag. The low-cost airline has previously scrapped plans to make passengers pay to use toilets on board the aircraft and to sell advertising space on its wingtips. Wing That's interesting, Dave. Free flights with yeah. Ryanair, Dave. I'll believe it when I see it. I, can't I honestly see it. can't see that ever happening. No I way. really, really can't see that ever happening. I, I really... He, I can't believe a, that you a would PR even... stunt? <laughs> what? I don't understand how that would even be possible. It's just... It's crazy, isn't it? It's, I can understand them every now and then giving free flights away or some special offers, but generally being free flights... Yeah, but as we know, that the penny flights, normally, you know, you buy a flight for a penny, but then you've got to buy the other bits everything and pieces and stuff it. on yeah. top of that. So, um, yeah. And you've got your scratch cars and everything else on top of that. And if, the bags would you and buy them? No. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. When was the last time you flew Ryanair, David? I, when I went to Dublin, actually. When oh, I was lucky right, okay. enough to get on the aeroplane through the security. <laughs> um, I wasn't buying a scratch card. And I can't believe that this will ever see the light of day. No way. I, I, I can't believe that going on a plane will be cheaper than going on a bus. Yeah, Liz Piper in the chat room uh, has said that... Uh, yeah, can't uh, uh, agree with David. Can't see that ever happening. Exactly. I think uh, I think that's very true. Yeah, I think the, the chat room's in general agreement here that this is um, something that will never never appear. It's like this, did Ryanair have those standing up um, seats oh, this thing as well? It's, yeah. it's all these things, these mad <laughs> ideas that he that yeah. he, some, he comes up with and dreams up. But um, uh, Liz is <laughs> Liz is just put in the chat room free flight plus a hundred dollars for a McDonald's coffee. Exactly. That will be that will be what you're paying for. <laughs> He'll get his money somewhere or other, whether it's through the flight, through the baggage, through the booking the seat, or something or other. There's, there's no way. There's no way that he says, Nick, I'm paying you to fly with me. <laughs> I don't think so, somehow. Oh, good old Michael O'Leary. <laughs> anyway, next story is all yours, David. 
Right, the next one's from the bbc.co.uk, uh, and it's TransAsia. Taiwan airline shuts after crashes. Um, Taiwanese airline TransAsia is shutting down after two fatal crashes and heavy losses. The carrier, which flew to cities in China, Japan and Southeast Asia, said it has not been able to raise more money to turn around its, um, to turn around its finances. TransAsia, Taiwan's third largest airline, had already cancelled all flights on Monday. Uh, earlier this year, regulators ordered it to review safety uh, protocols and pilot training to cut imminent risks. Uh, those recommendations from the country's Aviation Safety Council followed an investigation into an accident in, Ju- in July 2014 when TransAsia Flight 222 crashed in a heavy storm near Magong Airport on Taiwan's Penghu Island, leaving 48 dead. Ten did survive them. Uh, tragedy struck again in February 2015 when TransAsia Flight 235 clipped a bridge into P- Tapai and came down in the Keelung River, killing 43 people. Uh, that incident was captured on a dashboard camera of a passing vehicle. Uh, closing the airline had been a very painful choice, Chief Executive Daniel Liu said. Passengers with tickets for future flights would be refunded, the airline said. The future of its 1,700 staff members was unclear. I'm just looking on um, their site at the moment, actually, on, on Wiki David, and that actually does sound here. They did cease operations on the 22nd mm. of November. Uh, TransAsia, that was the crash. Um, that was the crash with the. Was it the Dash 8, the Q400? I think, so. I think it was. That, yeah, that yeah, was the one we caught in the dash cam that yeah. hit the bridge, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, I think a lot of people seen that over YouTube. Yeah, and that was on it YouTube, looked yeah. almost, it was, it was computer generated, didn't it? That yeah. You couldn't believe that you were actually seeing that, but. Yeah, that was, I think it was, it was after takeoff that happened mm-hmm. in that crash, particularly crash. Yeah. TransAsia, though, they were actually founded in 1951. Oh, they've been going quite a long time then. They've been going quite a long time, yeah. 1951 in May. They had a fleet size of 26 aircraft, 31 destinations, and with hubs at Taipei. And Taiwan, Taiwan International Airport and Kaohsiung International Airport. Well pronounced, that's right. <laughs> You're I know. brave. Um, but no, it's I mean, it's always sad to see an airline. Um, it's quite you know, surprising, fail, but um, surprising in Asia because there's so much growth over there at the moment. Mm. That most of the other airlines over there seem to be doing very, very well, and they're talking about pilot shortages and everything like that. So there's obviously a demand. Oh, sorry. Oh, it was an ATR. It was an ATR seventy-two. Yeah, okay. Thank you for that, Glenn. There we go. That's why we have a chat room, chat room, David. I know. <laughs> they're, they're awesome. Um, in the chat room, actually, before uh, before I forget, in the chat room, um, got to say, uh, I hope I hope uh, Barbara had a lovely birthday it yesterday. Was. It was happy, Barbara's birthday happy yesterday. Birthday, so happy birthday Barbara. for yesterday, Barbara. Birthday. Hope you had a very nice day. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. Um, but uh, yeah, she, uh, she that was uh, yeah she was uh, she, twenty one I think she was yeah uh, that's what I thought yeah, twenty one yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so moving on to the uh, next story and this one is on the Bloomberg dot com website and uh, this one actually hit this came this came in the news feeds today this is a fresh story and the headline Melbourne Airport uh, fuel shortage disrupt uh, disrupts airlines in Australia. Uh, so airlines operating in Australia, including Qantas Airways Limited and Virgin Australia Holdings Limited, may be forced to delay flights uh, after Melbourne Airport star, uh, started rationing jet fuel because of shortages. Uh, Qantas planes flying to Singapore and Hong Kong from Melbourne, the nation's second busiest air, air passenger gateway, will stop in Sydney to refuel amid temporary rationing, the carrier has said in a fr- uh, statement today. 
the domestic route between Melbourne and Sydney is one of the world's busiest and some flights may be disrupted by fuel availability, Virgin said in a separate statement. Uh, Exxon Mobil manages fuel supplies at Melbourne Airport on behalf of several providers. The supply issue has arisen uh, following disruptions in recent weeks to jet fuel deliveries from multiple fuel terminals across Melbourne, which are in the process of being resolved. Exxon spokesman Travis Palmby said that an email uh, statement uh, in Melbourne Airport, which also uh, is Australia's uh, largest air freight export hub and the only aviation gateway to operate without a curfew said it was uh, encouraging Exxon to prioritise the allocation of available fuel to airlines that have limited alternatives such as long-haul international carriers. International carriers were advised of deep fuel rationing late uh, yesterday on Thursday, the Board of Airline Representatives of Australia said, adding that the shortage was more severe than those which occurred in uh, 20. 2015. Uh, the latest jet fuel shortages are the result of taking no action to deal with known and avoidable supply issues, said Barry Ab Abrams, the industry's body executive director. So, interesting one there, David. Shortage of fuel? I couldn't believe you. I was reading that. Really? With it. You'd have thought, that, how do they get to this point? They must have known it was coming, and there's enough of fuel around at the moment, you'd have hoped, um, to um, sort themselves out. But it's a bit worrying for... Uh, oh. So we've got video playing. Oh, we've got a video playing on the website. There's web, someone talking about the ears, but there we go. But it's going to force airlines to go elsewhere, you'd think, in the future. If they were looking at, at going possibly to Melbourne, and they think, well, it's bad press, isn't it, for them to see that this could happen, and they've got to this mm. point, and they've let it happen, they're going to be thinking, well, we're going elsewhere, possibly. I know, and it's, it, it, like it says, it's, a, it's an, an incredibly busy airport there, and you've got, you know, you've got Qantas operating the 380s out of there, you know, large aircraft, and there's a lot of 777s flying there, as well as the A330s. You know, they all require large amounts of fuel. Yeah, and so, uh, these long flights, they're not going to have the option of tankering fuel in to Melbourne, <laughs> you'd have thought, to then get themselves out again. They have to fill up there. There's, there's no ways around it, really, unless they're going to have to go to some nearby airports to fill up. But I, I can't believe that it's got to this point, uh, that they're having to ration it off. But there you go, it bodes well for the, uh, the more um, economical air aircraft, doesn't it, that if this is happening, there you go. What more proof do you need yeah. than buying a, an A350? <laughs> nice Dreamliner. A yeah, nice A350, Dreamliner, yeah. Rather yeah. than the 7.4. Well, perhaps they, because they're talking, aren't they, David, about, the, they, the, uh, I think Emirates want Airbus to re-engine the A380. Yeah, there wasn't uh, a, a Neo option of the A380 that I thought was going at least into trials and everything, but there was obviously not enough demand for it, so maybe mm. it's not going to happen, but here's proof. Four engines is obviously clearly not the way forward, especially if we're running out of fuel. So on to the next story then, David, and uh, this one, uh, this one's <laughs> a, this one, a lovely one for you. <laughs> <laughs> they may have, yeah, so this one is on uh, ABC News, and it's 41 unruly passengers removed from <laughs> Brussels Airlines flight. Uh, so it goes, 41 passengers were removed from a Brussels Airlines flight before it took off uh, from Brussels on Saturday because the passengers were being unruly and aggressive toward members of the crew, a spokeswoman for the airline told ABC News. The flight took off without the passengers, at least one of whom had been drinking, en route to Alicante, Spain, uh, according to Kim Denin, uh, a Brussels Airlines spokeswoman. During taxi, there was a few passengers who were being unruly and also aggressive toward our crew. All of the passengers were part of the same group, which had all been booked together on the flight SN3771. Uh, the captain asked for them to stay calm, but they didn't listen, she said. So before takeoff, uh, the captain decided to go back to the gate. We had to think of the comfort of the other passengers. She would not give any more details about the passengers, such as what type of group they were or what nationality they were. 
It's another one, isn't it? That this keeps happening. That I can't believe that that people keep getting in this state before they fly, and I, they need to have bigger punishments, don't they? If they're going to keep doing it, that. What do you mean? You, you, do you mean to say, David, it, uh, before you went on your stag weekend, you didn't, um, I didn't have too much beer? I wasn't unruly. I may have tried to sneak Foster's on, but I don't think I'd get myself in that much trouble um, of being an unruly passenger. It's, it's the other people, isn't it, that it's ruining for? People going on their holidays, possibly family holidays, yeah. and, and, and then you get this. It's, it's ridiculous, really, that people get in that state. It doesn't say what time of the day this one was. It'd be interesting to see if it was, uh, <laughs> if early, it was morning. early morning, probably. Early morning. <laughs> Uh, Owen's in the chat room. Um, our uh, one of our listeners, Owen's in the chat room. He's um, he's he's based. He's in Malaga actually oh, still at the moment. He's, he's still fair, in Malaga. He has his fair share of uh, unruly passengers. I thought. Yeah, I bet he does. Yeah, yeah. He he because uh, Owen fly, he uh, flies for he um, he is cabin crew for yeah. Harpjet, isn't he? Yeah, Harpjet. So uh, yeah, he's uh, he's used to that. I think he's actually. But I haven't seen that many unruly people on Harp Jets aircraft. No, so all, uh, yeah, perhaps, well. perhaps they're good. <laughs> yeah, they all go to uh, to Royal Jet. Yeah, exactly. And and, and bug Al, <laughs> I reckon. He said in the chat room there that he's there until April. So he's there for the uh, what perfect time to be out of this horrible British weather? Blimey, Christmas in Malaga. I could think of worse places to be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So moving on to the next story, and uh, this is one for everyone uh, in the chat room who uh, hasn't has had or never enjoyed a meal on an aircraft. I have to say, I've, I've enjoyed most of the meals I've had on aircraft. They usually seem well, uh, The website on the traveller.com.au uh, website, and the headline: Why is airline food so tasteless? I don't think it is. Oh well. Uh, the uh, the parameters that require food to be reheated at altitude in a confined space and served to a large number of people with divergent tastes in a uh, taste in short space of time impose limitations on quality and diversity. Sagging tasteless vegetables, pasta that uh, is said arrivederci to the al dente stage, some way back, and pre-cut meat swimming in sauce that can be tackled with blunt cutlery are therefore the order of the day. Also, airlines are acutely cost-conscious, and shaving a few cents off the price of each meal can make a big difference uh, to their bottom line. When American Airlines removed uh, one olive from each first-class salad in the 1980s, the airline reported a 40000 US dollar wow. Uh, saving. There's also been a shift in passengers' expectations back when the meal was one of the highlights of flying. You had just one movie. Now with hundreds of entertainment uh, choices on the in-flight entertainment systems, uh, most passengers are more interested in their personal screens and thus diverts are not, uh, are not so choosy about what gets put on their tray table in front of them. Uh, much of how we perceive taste is due to smell in the dry, cool air of a pressurised cabin. Our olfactory receptors are partly decommissioned. Hmm. Pinch your nostrils and it might be hard to tell an apple from a carrot. On the other hand, it may uh, many flyers report that tomato juice tastes fantastic at altitude. Um, <laughs> I have to say, I mean, I've, 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 I mean, the, all the meals that I've ever had on board an aircraft... I don't think there's been many that I've thought were do you think you unedible. Know, do you think you notice a difference uh, when you're on the Dreamliner because of the, the pressure? Um, the pressure, the, the difference. Pressure? Yeah, do you think it made a difference? Well, it's difficult to prepare, isn't it? But um, do you think that it could be something that could help? Anyway, I'm just thinking what we had now. We had uh, roast chicken with ro- roast potatoes and vegetables on the way out to uh, my way out to Oman. So, and, that, and that tasted really nice. The, the potatoes were crunchy the meat was 
uh, you know, really nice, and the sauce it was in was really tasty. I thought the meal was actually quite nice. Um, but no, it did. Uh, well, the durian like, that definitely made you feel uh, fresher when you yeah. got off the other end. So, I can't yeah. ever remember having a really terrible meal on an airline. You get, you've got to remember that it's really heated and everything. So what, mm. you can't expect it to be absolutely perfect that you get in a restaurant. But I never, I can never remember it being that that terrible. But that that one olive proves just how much cost cutting <laughs> that, that that makes a difference. And one that was in the nineteen eighties. It's forty thousand know. dollars difference. So and then you wonder why you're getting um, one little bit of chicken and one roast potato with your with your roast dinner. Yeah, because BA were on about cutting their meals on their short haul flights. We covered yeah, that story I remember, a while yeah, back. I remember that story. Um, yeah, back to uh, shut, uh, cutting down the meals and stuff. But no, I, I thought the the food we we have a BA was really nice. The the person to ask, obviously, as as always, is Mr. is Nev. B, Mr. B. Himself. Mr. B.A. Nev, yeah. <laughs> He's uh, sampled many B.A. meals, I expect, in his time. But uh, I think on short-haul flights, if they were to cut the meals, it's not such a massive um, a loss, really. But then on the long-haul flights, you, you've got to expect it, really, haven't you, when you're a, a transatlantic or anything. But like I say, when you're reheating it, well, they do the best they can. I wonder what it would be like, and maybe one day when I get to experience it, in first class, what the difference would be there. But yeah, I think in first class, the meals you get are slightly better, yeah. uh, Dave. Yeah, and you I haven't got your tackle with blunt cutlery. Instead, no, you've got sterling no. silver and uh, yeah. china. One day. One day, one day, yeah. You'll, you'll get there soon, you'll get there soon. So the next story is all for you, David. Uh, the next story is with thebusinesstraveller.com, and this is Turkish Airlines unveils new app functions and headphones. Uh, Turkish Airlines has unveiled a number of new functions on the airline's app alongside new business class headphones. Through the app, passengers could now add flights, cancel reservations, reissue tickets and infant passengers and upgrade to business class. It will also offer maps of major airport terminals around the world and driving directions to these airports. The carrier has also updated its in-flight entertainment offering uh, offering to include noise-cancelling headphones from audio manufacturer Denon. Uh, business class passengers on the carrier's uh, American routes will be able to use the headphones, while passengers in other classes can purchase them on the airline's online marketplace, Shop and Miles. Uh, business class passengers on short-haul flights without personal rear seat screens will also be offered Samsung Galaxy S2 tablets to access the airline's in-flight entertainment. And these in the noise-cancelling headphones, they seem to be a popular choice if we're in nowadays, especially yeah. with the business class, that it is... It's certainly the way to forward, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, the headphones that we that we had um, in economy with BA weren't that bad. They were, they were quite good quality headphones, even though I did use my own personal yeah. ones. Um, but uh, in business class, I know that when I walk through, um, when I, on my visit to the flight deck uh, to see the, the, the crew and up there, they took me through um, business and first class on the way there, and I had a chance to have a look in the business class mm. Um, section and stuff and they they actually do get proper noise cancelling yep. headphones and stuff in there in business class and first which are really good quality ones um which i i'm not sure if you get to keep them when you nice, uh, leave the aircraft did but, you not get uh, a, did you not get a set in your free bag that you were very kindly given that would have been no. nice, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been nice no i i unfortunately i didn't get didn't get uh, any free um, would have been good, free but headphones that, but, um, with the with the, the new cabins it should be a much nicer um, experience, you thought, if you get these noise-cancelling headphones. And mm. I'm just reading here, because I'm sure I had this on the radio, but I might be wrong. Someone in the chat room can correct me. That I thought there was a link between actually the, the taste of, of airline food and the noise-cancelling headphones. And the fact that you're now getting these noise-cancelling headphones more r- regularly on flights actually makes a difference to what you taste. So it's not, obviously, it's the dry air and everything like that, but it's also... With these noise cancelling headphones, you, your taste buds are more receptive as well. Apparently, I, I wish I could find where I read it now. I'll quickly get a look. But I can't. I, find I need it, to I purchase think. a pair of these noise cancelling headphones. 
for use on on aircraft because the 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 head the headset that I use for flying when I'm flying in in the Cessna. That's um, the headset I've got is made by a company called Pilot, mm-hmm. and um, the headset itself's got a, a little box on inline box, and you just press the button and it it cancels oh, the noise, noise yeah. and uh, it makes such a difference. My I word, it just uh, it literally cut. You you cannot hear anything apart from uh, Stuart kind of shouting at me saying, you know, look where you're pull going. Pull up, pull up, pull up. <laughs> <laughs> Have but, you experienced yet playing the music through your headphones while you're flying? No, I haven't. Oh, there is a function in, in the headset that I wear to, to play yeah. music through, but I haven't tried that yet. Um, I need I don't to know if it would really, be too distracting, but, but it would be quite fun, I think, wouldn't it? If you're doing a cross-country and you're going for a little while as well. And also the, the recording of the ATC. That's yes. That's what yeah, as well. Like I'd, Matty Fowler's like probably an expert on that. He is, yeah. Guess. We need to speak to Matty, yeah. 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 I, know, I know that the, the, the chat that my CFI fly with has got a little recording device that he can plug into his headset and mm-hmm. it will record everything that he says and what we hear through the, um, from sort of the, um, you know, the ATC Good to look back on, I think, what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I'm going defi- to have to definitely look in for more into that in the new year, I think. Um, to try and get some uh, some stuff recorded from from the flights when I get the flights. It could be good uh, if you get double use out of your headphones, the ones you wear for flying in, the ones you also take on holiday. <laughs> but you might look a bit funny with I, a microphone. Yeah, I think I might look strange <laughs> with this big headset on with a micro boom microphone in front of me here. And then you just need your aviator glasses yeah. and walking <laughs> through the airport. <laughs> Is that you got yourself a headset yet? Not yet, no, David. No, no, you haven't. No, not no. yet. No. No, de- I would, I'm de- in the market, but look at the <coughs> prices. It's t- it makes me cry. Yeah. Do you know what? I got mine from from uh, I have to say from an eBay shop yeah. online. Um, it, they're brand new, uh, come from a, a, an air, an aviation shop somewhere in the UK, and they were an X um, shelf model, mm-hmm. display model. Yeah. So they hadn't been used, but they'd just been you know, and the box was there, the, yeah. the, the, the case from all to come in and, and everything and they were in the Mac and I paid probably half the price they should have been if I'd have brought them online. Yeah, that's certainly the way to go forward because I'm looking at the prices, <laughs> I don't look for very long before I, I get too scared, nothing oh. it's just, you, you can see what you get for your money and it's tempting isn't it to spend more and more and more and more mm. and oh, if I spend a bit more I can get that, if I spend a little bit more I can get this but it's not really necessary oh, no. but I've just read with this um, Turkish Airlines app, when mm. I was reading it here that they said that um, it's also got maps around, around airport terminals, which I think yeah, good. is a good idea. That's a good and idea. I can't remember of any. I'm probably wrong. But putting that in an app is a brilliant idea, especially mm. with some of these larger airports that you're going to. And that's, obviously, it's going to have the normal things, the reservations and the tickets and everything. But to have a map, that, that, that is a good idea. I think. That is a good idea. I can see others taking that. So on to the last story in the commercial segment this week on the Mail Online website, this one. And the headline, uh, How One Savvy Traveller Snared a $16,000 Luxury, Ultra Luxury, Singapore Airlines First Class Suite Ticket for $480. And um, so this, the story then... Uh, a double bed, Krug champagne, and an eight-ounce rib eye steak for dinner. It's fair to say that traveller Sam Huang's experience flying in Singapore Airlines first class suite was quite extraordinary. But what made it even more incredible was the uh, was the rather than paying the normal price of sixteen thousand um, dollars, which is thirteen thousand pounds UK for the journey, he paid four hundred and eighty dollars or three hundred and ninety pounds. Uh, he snared the bargain rate for the ultra-luxury journey from Singapore to Sydney by redeeming Chris Flyer Miles and then posted the pictures of his amazing trip on his flight uh, tip blog to show just how truly memorable it was. I'll put the pictures up in a moment 
uh, once I've uh, once I've read the story. Uh, but uh, he described the on topmiles.com how the VIP treatment began the moment he arrived at Changi Airport with a first-class check-in desk that had plush sofas and was so big you could easily mistake it for a lounge. The actual first-class lounge came next after an exclusive security line and there Mr. Huang relaxed on leather furniture beneath muted lighting for an atmosphere like a mad menish private supper club. He tucked into a meal of roasted lamb washed down with champagne and then had a shower in a marble-lined bathroom and then ordered more food. Uh, round two consisted of a US prime beef uh, burger with foie gras and he described it as the best burger he had ever had in his life. But he wasn't finished there. Uh, next came the lobster and more champagne. After his amazing meal, the 28-year-old wrote that he took a quick nap in one of three small private relaxation rooms at the back of the lounge. Pillows and blankets were provided along with some champagne. Uh, I woke up uh, as the flight was boarding and headed down to the King of Jets, the A380. He was escorted by no less than four members of staff along a private jet bridge uh, for the private uh, suite, the business class suite passengers, and into the aircraft and through the cabin to his seat. He told the Mail Online Travel, four different crew members escorting you, maybe 50 steps, you definitely feel like a VIP. Um, he, uh, the uh, pampering continued. Uh, he settled into his suite, uh, designed by French luxury yacht designer Jean-Jacques Coste, and was given a glass of Krug champagne, having turned down the alternative Dom Perignon. The food on the flight uh, was spectacular, said uh, Mr. Huang. He ate chilled caviar uh, with garlic toast served uh, with, with seared tuna, an 8-ounce ribeye steak, uh, a hazelnut crepe with vanilla ice cream, uh, he, he wrote as well on the blog that the food on the flight was among the top three airline meals he'd ever eaten. Uh, Mr. Huang was born in Pasadena but currently lives in Taipei, uh, was then able to sleep in a double bed. He explained, usually on the double bed is only available passengers travelling together. However, if the cabin is relatively empty and the seats are unoccupied, exceptions can sometimes be made for solo travellers. With only four passengers in suites class, the chances of scoring a double bed looked good, but the flight attendant said that she would have to check with the chief stewardess. Uh, his wish came true when the purser came back and informed, uh, informed him since the pair of seats in the first row were unoccupied, they'd be happy to make a double bed up for him. Blimey. Feeling like feeling on cloud nine, he grabbed another glass of uh, Krug to celebrate. Uh, the bed, he said, features Givenchy uh, duvets and a suite enclosed by high walls and doors that guaranteed privacy. Uh, next came Mr. Huang's top highlight, sipping a glass of Johnny Walker Blue, served by a steward he summoned at the touch of a button. Um... <laughs> He said that it was an absolutely incredible way to celebrate the holidays. Before hand landing, Mr. Huang had a play with the entertainment system. All suites come with a 23-inch TV and Bose noise-cancelling headphones and had more champagne plus roasted turkey with stuffing. <laughs> um, 
Well, this, it goes on to say that uh, Mr. Wang explains that a Singapore Airlines suite class ticket from New York to Singapore costs only 93,500 Chris Flyers miles, and that earning them isn't as hard as you might imagine since the airline partnered with three major U.S. card programs, City, Chase, and American Express. Mr. Huang's trip from Singapore to Sydney cost him 119,000 Chris Flyer miles, plus $480. That price included first-class flights from Los Angeles for the first stages of his trip to Tokyo and Singapore. If you go on the site, you'll be able to see there's a, there's a link there to show um, you know, what, what else he um, done. What do you think of that, I'm David? trying to look now at how I earn some of these miles, because I quite fancy that. <laughs> it looks absolutely incredible, doesn't it? That The fact, I, when you first read the story, it's like, oh, you got it for this much money, but then you realise that it's that many miles we'll put that there. there we go. What do you think it's, of that, It's David? absolutely incredible, isn't it? That that is in an aircraft. It's not, it goes one step further than these life lap beds and single That looks single. absolutely awesome. That's absolutely incredible, isn't it? And as long as there's a window, though. I don't want to have the windows there. There we go. There's, a, there's another picture there of, uh, of Mr. Oh, Hoang. He's got windows his, in that one, so that, I like that's a lot. With his, with his um, bottle of Krug and Don Perignon that he turned yes. down, apparently. It was not good enough. Not him, good enough. So, in his first class suite. And uh, we look, yeah, we look another picture there once it's loaded of. There we go. Look at those seats. I mean, this looks like a this looks like a business jet. Oh yeah, yeah. Look, it at, isn't it? Um, it's absolutely it's absolutely incredible, and the food looks amazing. Like that last article that was we were speaking about about food tasting not quite as good as it should on the ground. This food here, there we looks go, absolutely incredible. I can't believe that that doesn't taste anything. For other those of you listening on the audio podcast, this is obviously lost with you because you can't see this. But um, for those of you in the YouTube chat room, uh, you'll be able to see that the picture of this uh, this well it looks like a fillet steak. I think that wasn't it. Um, it does look good, with, it? Uh, with more champagne, and with then more champagne, and then more, and more champagne. champagne. And I'm guessing that is the that's the the seared seared tuna it tuna. There. Which is beautifully presented. That is does look does look amazing. I would be annoyed if you're a, <laughs> a cabin crew on there and you went a bit of turbulence just as you're carrying out this perfect plate of presented food and it just goes. Ooh, I know it's amazing. Up. It's amazing. But they do this, um, yeah, and yeah, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And it's a, it's a completely different, isn't it, from what you get the, pre- the reheated and everything else that we were talking about earlier. That is a, a world of its own. Yeah, it kind of puts the paninis to shame. Sorry, Owen. Yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> But that's just one of those. You've you've done those things that you know. It's you, you you've got to be incredibly rich to to, to yeah. fly like, or and have you, a lot of air miles and have a lot of miles. Is, like, yeah. like I'd be interesting to see what he did because if he flies a lot for work and he's been uh, like accruing these points up to this special occasion, then then why not? If he's obviously earned it or he's been lucky enough mm. to fly so much that he's earned the miles. Um, I wonder. It'd be interesting to see how much or how many miles you'd have to fly to earn something like that to make it affordable. But um, but it also says, I just had, did have a quick look at the website, but as much as I could. But you can also, like you said in the article there, get it from spending with American <laughs> Express as well. So it's not just <laughs> what's happened here. Oh, and just put in the chat room that his paninis are the best food on board ever. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they quite compared to the seared tuna, but there we go. No, no. <laughs> so we, uh, that's the last story on, uh, on the the commercial news segment for uh, for this part of the show we've uh, we've got some military news coming up and then uh, we're going to have a little chat with uh, with david about uh, what he's been doing and, and this that and all the other bits and pieces you've uh, you've been doing whilst we haven't seen you mm. so um, we are going to come back to you after this find this and other great shows at the aviation media network 
The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pay us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com thanks Thanks for for listening. listening Right, so we're going to kick off with some military news. So if you're ready, uh, David? I think I'm ready, yep, yep. Right, let's go. So, kicking off with some military news. So, on the Flight Global, the first story then, and the uh, headline, Boeing signs off on final six H-135 helicopters for Australia. Uh, Australia has inched closer to receipt its full complement of new training helicopters after prime contractor Boeing signed off on the final six examples. Assembled by Boeing, uh, assembled by Airbus helicopters <laughs> at uh, Donauwert facility in southern Germany, all 15 H-135 manufactured to the older T-2 Plus standard have now achieved full factory acceptance in the two years. That's okay, the German's just making a cup of tea, everyone. As long as it's Anyone else want a cup of tea? No? Okay. No, David doesn't want tea. I'm Just all right now. Oh, we'll have a cup of tea. So Canberra selected the combined Airbus helicopters and Boeing and, and Tiles set team in November 2014 to provide airframes, flight simulators and synthetic training devices as well as instruction for Army Navy pilots under its helicopter aircrew training system program. Initial flying activities have begun using the 135s at N, uh, NAS Nora in New South Wales. The first of the Safran helicopters engines in our engines Arius 2B2 powered helicopters were delivered in 2025 or 2015 sorry and uh, been put off here now by the mistakes <laughs> but now we'll put a picture on the screen there of uh, of these we actually we use these I think in the UK these are our police helicopters aren't they I David I thought I'd um, around somewhere hovering over me probably <laughs> trying to find you yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't stand that clued up on the uh, military helicopter side of things but I do hope they don't run out of fuel being Oh, sorry, just nudging <laughs> like the microphone. It's breaking the studio now as I know. well. Uh, I know. But I do hope they don't run out of fuel uh, over there in Australia. But that's I know, the, that's any trouble. That's they don't want them anymore. They've got, 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 these, fuel to they've run got these fuel issues here in Australia now, <laughs> so they don't want to run out of fuel. So next story uh, for you, David. Um, 
Uh, right, this one's from Flight Global also, and it is Canada pursues interim buy of Boeing Super, Super Hornets. Uh, the Canadian government will launch an open competition to replace its aging fleet of CF-18 fighter jets and plans to purchase 18 Boeing FA-18 Super Hornets as an interim fix for its current capability gap. Uh, but defence officials also attempted to uh, placate uh, F-35 prime contractor Lockheed Martin and the US defence industry uh, with the assurance that Canada will remain a member of the Joint Strike Fighter Programme. Uh, the 22nd of November press conference with Minister of National Defence Harit Singh Sashan and top Canadian well defence <laughs> top Canadian defence officials was marked by uh, politically charged comments blaming the previous Conservative government of Stephen Harper for the failure to procure a replacement fleet of CF-18 fighters. Uh, as a result of the drawn-out fighter procurement, Canada cannot meet its command uh, combined NORAD and NATO. Uh, commitment, according to Sihan. In 2015, the Liberal Party um, campaigned on the promise to kill the procurement of 65 Lockheed Martin F-35s and launch an open competition. More recently, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau criticised the F-35, saying the jet was far from working. Uh, because they were not replaced, we now have a capability gap, Sahan says. It is necessary to deal effectively with the situation this government has inherited. The full and open competition to replace the CF-18 fleet will begin once the Canada's defence policy review is completed, uh, is completed early next year. Uh, the competition will take five years and the new fleet will be fully operational in the late 2020s, requiring a further life extension of the current CF-18 fleet along with the interim Super, Super Hornet by Minister of Public Services and Procurement Judy Foote says. Uh, we want to make sure the open competitive process is a sound one, she says. Military procurement is complex. We're not about to cut corners and simplify a process that is very complex. That's what the interim will do. But in the meantime, with the open competition, we're going to get it right. Although Liberals rallied against Lockheed during the campaign, Foote says any contractor who meets the criteria for the replacement fleet will have a shot in the open competition. Lockheed's own statement following the announcement took a more dour tone. Thank you. I've just had a cup of tea above me. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, Lockheed Martin recognises the recent announcement by the Government of Canada of its intent to procure the fourth generation F-18 Super Hornet as an interim fighter capability, Lockheed says. <laughs> although, although disappointed with the decision, we remain, a we remain confident the F-35 is the best solution to meet Canada's operational requirements at the most affordable price, and the F-35 has proven in all competitions to be lower in cost than the fourth generation competitors. And the story goes on, but we'll... Uh I need a cup of tea. I, think I, I know. At least Sophie <laughs> can say she's been on the uh, show now. You see yeah, as well. Look. Yeah, there they go in the background. Hello, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. It's brilliant. Look, see, it's a, it's, it's a real kitchen studio. This, isn't it? Really, it's actual functional kitchen studio. Pardon? There's no, there's no listener questions. No listener questions. Yeah, no. We're no. welcome to questions. No, we're welcome to questions. <laughs> yeah, in the, in the chat room. Yeah. Um, F eighteen. Well, we saw uh, me and Micah and uh, Matt saw these at the uh, Farnborough the Farnborough, show. Yes, yeah, I was say the F eighteen. Yeah, awesome. That was uh, we got. I think we, the, the uh, pilot one of these we interviewed as well at Farnborough, which is coming up in our Christmas show. Don't forget, guys and girls. The uh, all the bits and pieces that we've done at Farnborough will be coming up in the Christmas special. We do. Uh, so moving on to the next story on Flight Global again, and uh, quite uh, interesting one, this one, a serious one as well. Um, and this is IAI unveils collision warning system. 
Uh, Israel Aerospace Industries has unveiled its Collision Warning System, CWS, which according to the company will allow military and civil aircraft to fly in congested airspace with a degree of high safety. The CWS was recently test flown um, by an unnamed Western Air Force and according to IAI, uh, a contract to provide the system will be signed in 2017. Amit Haimovic, Director of Marketing and Business Development at IAI's Malam Division, says CWS is a life-saving solution designed to warn combat pilots in situations when potential collision with commercial and civilian aircraft is imminent. He explains that the CWS is based on the extend, ex extending the collision warning functions of IAI's EHUD range independent air combat maneuvering in, in instrumentation systems. Uh, the CWS system can monitor non-military platforms and warn of proximity or risk of collision with commercial aircraft and monitoring is performed through integration of, integra uh, integration of interrogation, friend or foe data and automatic dependent surveillance broadcasts, ADSB. Warnings are provided in three different forms, voice, graphical indication on the uh, tablet panel and via symbols presented on existing cockpit displays. The system is designed for fighters, uh, trainers, military helicopters and unmanned aerial vehicles, the company says. So this is kind of like a TCAS system I then, I David. was literally just thinking that. Though I was surprised that military aircraft haven't got the same TCAS system that all commercial aircraft have already got um, installed in them already. Um, but obviously something needed, there's a gap in the market for it. Um, but I wonder why, or if there's a different use for it, why a TCAS system that you'd find in a commercial aircraft can't be almost directly put into, into mm. military use. I'm sure there's a, a reason behind it. I must say the photo on that story is very good, and whoever got that picture is an awesome photographer. I think. Oh, oh the picture, that one. <laughs> yeah, we'll put that on the screen so you can, uh, you can see the photo that David's talking about. There we go. Oh, no, no that's not the one. <laughs> Wrong one. <laughs> no, that's not the one. That's the next story pitch. No, I haven't. I've gone off that story now. I've lost that photo. Oh, well. There oh, we well. go. That's a mistake. But no, that's, uh, it's a good system to have in place. And um, obviously, TCAS is, is a big part of commercial aviation. Yeah, yeah. and I'm surprised um, it's really not in use already. I, I, really, I really am surprised. I don't know if it's anything to do with the transponders they use might be different in mm. a commercial. The military, obviously, they don't want to be spotted all the time. There's obviously no, times no. when they're going to want to be under the radar, so to speak. And the, are, you, are you a flight radar 24 um, oh, yeah. user, David? Yeah. yeah, of course, yeah. yeah I'd, I think I'd feel ashamed to say that I didn't use it at all. I've even <laughs> turned on the notifications on now. Like, oh, so right, that you okay. can get them when they, yeah. The squawking there, yeah. 7, 6 and 7, yeah, 7, yeah. 7, 7, yeah. 7, 5 and all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is an awesome app. That is one, one heck of an awesome app. Yeah. But yeah, and you can't see, obviously, obviously military you can't stuff. see military stuff. Yeah. But quite interesting, I used it quite extensively when um, Air Force One came into Stansted, okay, I think it was yeah. last year. Um, and I read about it, obviously, on social media, and it was at Stansted, so from where I am, it's only about, just about an hour's drive, so I thought, well, it'd be a shame not to go and see Air Force One down, land down there. And there was, I was trying to follow it on flight radio, obviously you can't, Air Force, Air Force One's not going to have its transponder turned on all the time. But there was times when it comes on and off, so it obviously has a point when they, it can go under the radar, so to speak. But I would imagine a lot of the military jets have that capability as well, that they, they aren't using their... Well, transponders used in a different way for obvious reasons. So um, they do the, on a flight radar twenty four. You can sometimes see the MRTT, the, tr yeah, the tankers, the A three thirties. They do show up on um, on there, and you can follow them coming out of Bryce Norton yep. um, Air Base. But other than that, that's probably the only military stuff that you can see on on flight radar. Yeah, 24. and that's probably the same reason why their TCAS system. But, uh, 
because it obviously works mm. on the same technology, yeah. isn't working for, for this kind of purposes. So obviously they've got this new technology which will fill that gap. So obviously they're going to talk to each other, the aircraft, but possibly not to people watching Flight Radar 24. So congratulations to our main man, Micah. He's, uh, he's been spending his money on the Amazon Black Friday deal. He's um, yeah, he's been uh, he's been buying some Bose equipment, oh, which very is nice. Very, very nice, nice, very nice, very nice, Um He'll be having his own nightclub uh, in his in his pl- in his house, I expect. <laughs> uh, Micah will, yeah. Um, Tony S has put in the chat room actually. Military military mainly are tracked by MLAT. So there we go. Bit of information for you there. And Pip's um, in the chat room as well. Uh, and Jonathan Warner, they appear as some still have civilian reg oh, there we go. as well. There we go. We knew the expert would here. I know. Turn up Mr. Later. Warner. So moving on to the next story then, uh, or the last story on uh, this segment then uh, for you, David. This one's for me, isn't it? Uh, mm. And this is on the the Lincoln Knight. The Lincolnite? I think it's the Lincoln Lincolnite. The Lincolnite. Lincolnite. I would imagine that's from Lincoln. Uh, and this is RAF Waddington Runway fully reopens after £35.4 million rebuild. Uh, RAF Waddington fully reopened its airfield on Monday, November the 21st, after a major upgrade of its runway, extending its life for at least another 25 years. As reported at the time, the runway was closed in late 2014 for the 35.4 million rebuild and was expected to take about a year to complete. A number of snags, including wet ground, unexpected utilities and the discovery of mil- military artefacts and weaponry, delayed the project with work continuing through into six- 2016. Quite far into 2016. Uh, the project has been described by the RAF as one of the most challenging defence airfield infrastructure projects for many years. The station operates as the UK's hub of intelligence, surveillance, target acquisition and reconnaissance. RAF Waddington's flyer squadrons have been temporarily operating from alternative military bases whilst work was carried out. With the runway work now complete, aircraft will begin to return to the base. Throughout the refurbishment, RAF Waddington's intelligence gathering capabilities have remained high, with flying squadrons almost constantly deployed. Officials say this will remain the case as the base continues to play a critical role in the coalition air campaign to defeat ISIS and elsewhere around the world. RAF Waddington's station commander, Group Captain Al Marshall, said... This has been a major and very challenging project which has placed significant pressure on personnel and their, faci- uh, and their families. Despite the challenges, we have managed to sus- sustain operational output throughout the resurfacing period owing to the outstanding dedication and professionalism of RAF Waddington personnel and those who support us. It will give me great pleasure to see many personnel return home and to have our aircraft regularly flying in and out of RAF Waddington once again. Conducted in several phases, the old runway has been dug up, levelled and resurfaced. The upgrade, which significantly changed the profile of the existing runway, includes the provision of new section of airside perimeter road, new visual airfield approach aids, aeronautical lighting and signage, all of which improves the overall safety of the airfield and its operations. There we go. I'm just looking up here uh, on some info on Waddington, actually. RAF Waddington. Royal Air Force Base, Waddington. Um, it is the Intelligence Surveillance Target Acquisition and Reconnaissance Hub. It is indeed. And is home to the fleet of the Sentry AEW-1, Sentinel R1, Shadow R1 and RC-135W rivet joint uh, uh, jets. And is also the operating base for the RAF's MQ-9 Reaper. Uh, which is interesting, yeah. The station is also home to number 34 Expeditionary Air Wing. 
um, but no, that's uh, it's good that they've got that nice shiny new runway there. I'll put that picture on the uh, on the screen while you were doing the story. There we go. Of uh, that's a picture of all the people involved yeah. in it, obviously. But um, I hope the red gentle with their landings on this new runway. I wouldn't want to be the first <laughs> person to make uh, a bit of a, a heavy hole, landing a or dent in the runway, a hole yeah. or a dent would be even worse, wouldn't it? But I hope they uh, treat it nicely. Yes. So uh, greetings to you, Pip, as well. Pip's in the chat room. He's uh, he's. Uh, he didn't didn't send a segment this week. Did bless him, no key. Because Pip busy gliding. Right? Well, actually, Pip uh, Pip was in Portugal. He was uh, flying back from Portugal. Yeah, yeah, probably first class, I'd imagine. Yeah, with uh, with whoever he's flying. So that's where we bring the military segment to uh, to a close. Then and uh, yeah, so um, well, we'll have a, we'll have a quick roundup uh, chat with you then, David, while we've got you in the studio and see um, see what uh, what you've been doing. So. So the last time we spoke to you, David, you were, you were kind of heading off towards CTC kind of way. I was. Uh, I think that was the beginning of June. Um, since then, it's been... A I want to try and make it sound exciting, but unfortunately, I can't, really. Um, I've been sat in a classroom doing my ground school um, exams. Um, it was strange for me, obviously, going back into a, a school environment, and it's certainly a shock to the system. Um, and that's where I will be until about the middle of February now. Um, so not a huge amount has changed, just my brain I think has been frazzled a bit with all the things I'm trying to learn um, and the exams just keep coming th faster and faster and faster and you think you've learned something, you think there's no way I can learn anything else about this subject and then there's more and more and it, it just keeps on going so it's fairly relentless at the moment but it's good fun, it's, it's working towards the goal so so I'll, uh, I'll keep on putting on. So it's all, it's all exam stuff you're doing. You're not doing any flying at all at no, the moment. It's all exam stuff. It's all exam stuff. The, 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 the thing is we get the, um, the 14 ATPL passes all completely done before we do any flying whatsoever. Um, but there has been a couple of um, simulator sessions, a fixed base um, 737 sim session. Wow, we really? Did, yeah, we did that <laughs> as part of... Um, I'm trying to think what we did at part of. I think it was when we were studying instruments. Um, our, our teacher at the time thought it would be a, a good idea, and obviously it, it clearly was, for us to actually get in the sim and not only learn about, obviously, the old instruments and and everything that was um, that we're learning about, but see it in practice. Not, not These are the individual instruments and how they work, but to actually see how they're laid out and the, the, the ergonomics, so to speak, of the cockpit, it was actually interesting to see it. Uh, to see it in real life but so it was more not a fun session but more to see how the instruments laid out and we also did it for i'm trying to think what we did it for human performance and limitations oh we that's did a it good exam as well that's it was a, a nice exam, exam yes yeah. <laughs> a nice exam i should say out of, out of all of them yeah. but we also did we went in the simulator for that as well what, what was it what was simulator was it whether they were a full motion one or no, a fi just a fixed, a fixed space, a yeah, fixed fixed space yeah. yeah but when you're in it you you forget almost that it's fixed space it's it's weird that you just kind of go into this zone that you're <laughs> flying you 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 completely forget so all, all the stuff is all all correct all the controls oh yeah everything. exactly yeah, the same yeah. the seats everything like that is exactly wow. the same as you'd find in the uh, in an old 737 it was, it was good fun really good fun but the, where i'm learning we have the full motion simulators running um like kind of around um in the same venue so it's it's interesting to see it's it's quite motivational as well to see them as well so when's uh, when, when are you going to start the the kind of flying february aspect of things, february so? time really um i've taking a little like a month longer really and doing some of my exams so it's been put back about a month ish so i'm looking at about february time that i will start my flying we've got questions in the chat room then david uh we've got one from myla uh myla's asked uh, what programs do you use to study and where will you do your flying from so we use pad pilot is our 
are like textbooks for our studying. It's all done on iPads now. It's not done um, on textbooks anymore because you can imagine the amount of textbooks we'd have to carry around would be unreal. So it's all done on um, iPad. Um, and also, the I'm trying to think, we have different question sources for our questions and everything, um, and they are done through ATPL online. But there is a few students that will go out and get other question banks to help them along the way. But, air, oh, quiz? air Quiz is a good one I, I use. used Air Quiz, actually. Might be a new one. For You've not used Air Quiz? Yeah. The air Quiz is, uh, yeah. is, is a good one for me for the, um, for the PPL kind of training that I'm yeah. doing. Uh, it's a free, free thing online. You sign up and you can do the different... Um, exams online and it'll tell you where you've gone wrong give you a percentage score and and yeah it's it's, it's a yeah, good little uh, good little training tool atpl online is it sounds exactly similar to that obviously you do tests online which try and mimic the real thing um a few of us have also used um av exam as well and bristol ground school is quite a good one but it's all they're almost kind of trying to play catch up with the caa really and trying to get the mm. most the up-to-date questions um but that's the aim of the game really Pip has asked, um, what are you studying? What am I studying for? I want to be just like you, Pip. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be, be like a, you, Pip. I want to be a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm studying for my, uh, my ATP or ground schools. And at the moment, literally right now, I'm doing instruments, uh, flight planning, performance. Yeah, just those three at the moment. Uh, Shootback has put in uh, a question as well. What is your roadmap to landing your first job at an airline? Um, so my roadmap is at the moment, it could all change, but at the moment, um, obviously finish my ground school, go out and do my flying. And then I'm, I would say I'm quite lucky at CTC is that they have a good placement uh, team basically. So they go, you go into like a placement pool and they have good relationships with the airlines. So, um, they kind of help you fund uh, your first job. So it's not you, you finish your ground school and then that's it. You're on your own. We're lucky in that we finish everything and then we have a lot of um, easyJet take a lot of cadets at the moment, and they'll say, "Right, we need so so many people. Who have you got?" And they'll uh, they'll come and take off CTC the uh, the uh, cadets that they've got um, graduating at that time. So that would be the ideal route. Um, everything could change. We'd never know, but at the moment, that would be perfect. Uh, Barbara Parrish has asked, uh, "Are you a private pilot?" You, you're I'm not. not, not no. Yet, Happy no. birthday, Barbara, again, by the way. Yeah. But no, I'm not a private pilot. Um, it's kind of included in my flying training. The, all that part of it. So the, there is a few people on my course that have done PPLs beforehand, mm. and you can tell that they have a slight advantage in the exams that they've done already, and obviously the flying. But it's certainly not certainly not something you don't have to be. You can go into it um, kind of not having a PPL. Uh, so Tony S uh, in the chat room question for you David uh, are CTC affiliated with any airlines to help you get employed yes they are uh, that's one of the main kind of draws to me um, for CTC was the, the affiliations they have uh, with airlines um, EasyJet was their longest running um, affiliation and they've still got a strong partnership um, with with CTC and um, there's I, I wish I could remember off the top of my head there's certainly um, Virgin Atlantic uh, EasyJet, like I said, uh, I'm trying British Airways, City Flyer, uh, Monarch used to, but I don't think I do anymore. Air India actually have some lot of uh, really? Qatar. Qatar. There's a lot of or Qatar. 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 Uh, Qatar. But actually, speaking to their cadets <laughs> at CTC, they say Qatar. So I'm going to go with They say Qatar. That. They do. They oh, do. Right, okay. So that's what I'm going to go with. But there's a lot of Qatar. Um, Qatar. Cadets at the moment. Uh, Oman Air, actually. There's really? Quite a few Oman Air yeah. cadets there at the moment. Um, there's, there's literally so many that I couldn't remember off the top of my head and being put on the spot. Because yeah, Oman, Oman Air have now got a load of new 737-800s actually been delivered yes. this week. So, yeah. They're so in they're, a good place, the yeah. uh, Oman Air. But, um, I could type in. But, yeah, that is one of the main draws, certainly for me, is the link they do have. Um, 
and it's not just because they have their MPL cadets there as well. Um, so EasyJet will say so many MPL cadets go there, but you can also um, go there being in a, a whitetail kind of course like, like I'm on. Excellent. So going forward then, um, um, David, sort of like now when you when you start your actual flying and stuff, are you, you going to be training in kind of a similar aircraft to me, the Cessna 150, or are you going to be training on something a bit more? Um, it's a diamond at the moment. that They've got Ooh. the DA-42 for the multi-jet and DA-40. So they're, they're nice. They're glass cockpit oh, as well, so blimey. they've just been upgraded. They did have one <laughs> seven twos, but I think they've been phased out now. Oh. So it's all, it's all glass cockpit now. That spoils it. it yeah, it's, it's <laughs> nice, but I also think there's the argument to be had that what happens if it doesn't work? What happens if it goes wrong? What happens if you, you've got to yeah. go back to the, the resort, back to the old steam gauges, and you don't know what you're looking at? I, ha- I have to say, when, when, I'm, in, when I'm in the one, one, yeah, 150 training, the, the only glass I've got in there is, is this here. That's <laughs> the only glass I've got in the cockpit there when I'm flying the 150 or the 172. So, But uh, are you looking forward to the flying aspect oh, of it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Th- the, the ground school, it, it's, it's quite hard. It's hard work to get through, but you know at the end of it you're going, you're going to be flying. So so it, it does make it worthwhile. Oh, that's good. Guess who's in the chat room? I've just seen that. Matt Smith's Matt. in the chat room. Matt, Matt you've missed all the fun, I'll tell you what. Matt, there's no editing um, there's, whatsoever. There's no editing seamless. to do. It's been absolutely seamless. Mm-hmm. Um, all the audio's been playing fine for all the stingers. Everything worked. Every, there was no trouble whatsoever. Yeah, it's been, it's been really good. Um, <laughs> Everything's been going very well. There we go. That's a nice mug you've got there, Dave. What's that on there? That's uh, it's on that side as well. There we go. There's the Farnborough mug, uh, there 2012. Better looking at my ugly mug, isn't it? There you go. Ah. <laughs> so, is there any any particular airline in David that uh, at the end of all this that you that you really, really, really would love to fly for, the or what, or what? Airbus or Boeing kind of airline? Because you've got obviously Ryanair fly all all the Boeing fleet, and yeah. EasyJet are all Airbus <clears> fleet. Um, any I don't, I'd love you're not bothered I'm not really bothered of planes and planes isn't it? I think mm. I'd, I'd be very silly to be in a position where I wouldn't fly that or I wouldn't fly this but like I said to you it's strange how going through learning all the systems I've really become to appreciate how the Airbus is designed why it's designed the way it is and, and literally the, the workings of it but it's also quite awkward that we have to often learn the Boeing and Airbus of certain things certain instruments and everything for instance mm. different colours um, but it really it wouldn't bother me at all. I th- just to get the job at the end of the day would be, would mean everything. So um, move move or moving ahead even further and stuff. Um, how how long is it going to be, David? When, until you're completely finished? When, when's this training going to finish? So the, the, and you're going to be passed, obviously because you'll pass because you, you will pass. Well, eventually, I'll pass it. I'll get there. Let me. It will be so um, eighteen months from the start ish. So I started in June. So we're looking at about eighteen months from there that you get. Um, a frozen ATPL so that means you'll have your pilot's license so to speak your commercial license but it doesn't become really fully functional and unlimited until you've got one and a half thousand flying hours so I would be in a position with obviously a lot less than that but it's still fortunate if I could get a job um, there's a lot of airlines do still take um, cadets with the, a frozen ATPL and then working on the line for an airline you eventually make that an unfrozen ATPL where it's a completely unlimited license from there do you know, I was talking actually this week uh, on Monday to my CFI, Stuart, who, those of you who watch the show, you'll know Stuart, we had him uh, had him at the Seething Air Show um, earlier this year, and he chatted to him, but I was talking to Stuart this week, and he, um, he 
some of the the emails that he gets from some of the, the recruiting airlines and stuff and the recruitment uh, recruitment companies in the UK um, you have to, for them you have to pay them 40,000 euros uh, of your own money uh, to go and train with them uh, there's no salary so you don't get any payment while you do while you're training to build your hours up and stuff and uh, and then you get <coughs> normally the jobs with the regionals the pay is not that great uh, I think there was one company who who had emailed uh, who had emailed him where you had to pay you forty thousand euros again, um, but you got a ten thousand euro salary, which is not a lot, um, and you were provided with accommodation. But the other ones you had to provide your own accommodation, transport, and everything else. And I just couldn't believe how how damn hard it is for people in his situation where he's got you know. Uh, thousands of hours in his logbook or uh, at least nearly a thousand hours in his logbook and you know all the experience he's got flying the caravan and and the you know he's a train obviously trains me at the flying school and it's it's damn hard it's getting to that point now where airlines should be like screaming out for people just like him really with the hours that he's obviously built up and he's taking the time to do that um and i remember the story a few weeks ago that we covered on um uh, fly B that they've actually had to cancel some of their um, flights because of that so we may hopefully I mean, it might be wishful thinking but we may be in a position soon where some of them limits may may be slightly less we don't know but there's still a position where you have to pay for type ratings everything on top of that and like you say it's, it's really uh, a struggle to start with those first few years to after you've paid all that money the training costs the type rating and everything like that it is going to be a struggle it's hard work it's it's I don't think it's in the position anymore of the industry where you think pilot, uh, flat, like a, a, how do I put it, like a um, catch me if you can kind of looking job mm-hmm. where where everything goes like that. It's you really have got to go have your heart in it and really make it work. You've got to do everything I think to to get through it all and just to be able to afford it all, knowing that yeah. for that first few years it's, it's going to be a real struggle, a really yeah. real real struggle for the first few years, especially. I guess you're not you're not going out to go and buy a mansion next week or. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, or a right. penthouse suite in London. Certainly not. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Literally, no. Uh, it's tough, isn't it, Dave? It is, it is so? I mean, I'm in a different position. I mean, I'm only, I'm just learning just to get my PPL, but and that's it. All that's it. But any, any aspect of flying, yeah, it, it's, it's expensive. It really is. It's certainly not cheap. And a cheap hobby. It's not a cheap hobby. It's not definitely not a cheap hobby. But but, uh, but then you compare it to possibly say your PPL uh, in America it is relatively cheaper. Anyway, mm, the fuel yeah. price and everything, which is, is frustrating, isn't it? Over here, we're kind of stung. Well, well Stuart learned to fly in South Africa. Yeah. He got his license in yeah. South Africa. And you can and, see why. You certainly he, can. Yeah, he paid next to nothing for his. So, yeah. yeah. You can see why people do it other places. And it makes you wonder that why, is, why isn't it not made more kind of accessible over here, really? But. Oh, there we go, guys and girls. So Matt is currently, he's, um, he's two hours away from home, but he's having a 45-minute rest break. Due so to traffic. Due to traffic, yeah, he's having he's having a rest, bless him. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna close up episode one hundred and forty then of uh, the Plain Talking UK podcast, and uh, I'm gonna thank first everyone in the chat room for joining us this evening. Uh, loads of people in the chat room, all the usual faces, and a few new ones as yeah, well. I did spot in the chat few, room as well. Yeah, a few, a few, a new, a few faces new ones in the well. chat room. Thank you very much, everyone. So Sorry, thanks, I wasn't. Everyone. But no, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us, David. Thank you for having me on Absolute the show. Pleasure. I, I, the second time was good fun. How's it? How's fun. it been? It's good. Be, being being a kind of a part of kind of it's, full on it's host. Still, it's still strange. The first time I came, it was still strange for to be on this podcast <laughs> that I've listened to and watched for months and if not years. It's still strange to be here, but uh, yeah, brilliant fun, awesome fun to see how, see it behind the scenes. But thank you very much for inviting me. Good. Are you going to come back again in the, in the 
in would, the future. I would love to. Uh, it would be an absolute honour. Yeah. I'd love to, yeah. Yeah, course. definitely keep us up to date with your flying. Yeah. Uh, and let us know when you solo as well, because yes. you want to know when you soloed. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I was looking back. I can't through my, wait. But I was looking back through my, my, um, uh, my flight log the other day and looking back when I soloed and the stuff. And the Seems ages ago, but well, it is awesome. You'll never, yeah, but you never remember it, it like it's yesterday. You never I'm forget sure. it. Ca- uh, Captain Jeff, great show, Carlos and David. Oh, there oh, we thank go. You, Cap- We've got- Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so we are going to close down the show. Don't forget uh, to look on Facebook later on uh, to find out uh, about the competition. I'll get the picture up on Facebook this tonight uh, for everyone. I, w- so you I can won't let him forget this time. Don't worry. No, Dave's going to remind <laughs> me before he goes. Uh, so you can find us. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter. Go to Twitter at Plain Talking UK and on Facebook as well. And also, don't forget to send uh, in uh, any voice feedback. We love to receive voice feedback on the show. Um, you can send those into our pl- podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Send in your voice feedback there. That would be awesome. And uh, no, a massive thanks to everyone in the chat room again for joining us this evening. It's, uh, it's been nice to see all you in there chatting between themselves. They've been having a good old discussion in the chat room between themselves. Uh, Matt will be back next week in the kitchen studio for episode 141 not sure what day it'll be friday or saturday i'd imagine it might be a friday i don't know you guys you guys are getting close to 150 now aren't you i know 200 before you know it we we, we're gonna seriously have to think about what we're going to do for our our 150th show uh i don't know what we're going to do yet for the 150th we're um it's, it's fast it's, approaching. It is fast approaching. Yeah, I know. Any any ideas? What what do you think? The thing is, you set the bar so high for the Vulcan, with the Vulcan for the one. Yeah, yeah for the hundredth. So, what do you do from there? It's, oh. str- it's hard, isn't it? I, I know you did have the idea of testing out airplane Wi-Fi. Oh yeah, airplane Wi-Fi. We could. Yeah, that would be that was a good idea, <laughs> wasn't it? We, yeah, we need to. Uh, you just need to book a random holiday somewhere. Well, yeah, we definitely. <laughs> we, we need to win the lottery. I don't know about any, anything else. Yeah, we need to. We we'll definitely win the lottery. Um, but no, it's been uh, it's been great to have you in the studio, Dave. Thank you very much. And it's been good uh, fun. yeah, d- uh, where can people find actually? Because you've got you, have well, you got your uh, I did. Your I started blog? a blog, and yeah. then I realised how much work I needed to put into ground school, and I didn't make half as many blog posts as I planned to, and I regret not doing it. I, w- I still plan to do any more, but um, it, it is hard to try and juggle it with everything else because I thought it would be quite a nice thing I could do on the side, but I didn't realise how much time it'd really take up. But I will try um, and update it. A bit more certainly as much as i can mm. oh well again david thanks for joining us thank and, you very much um, for having me yeah uh, like i said keep us all keep us all oh, uh, uh, uh you know uh, what what go on what you're doing and stuff and you're flying and stuff like that and uh, yeah let me know when you fly solo oh. i can't wait <laughs> so that's it then from the kitchen studio here and the Plain Talking UK Kitchen Studio. So from uh, me and David here in the Plain Talking UK Kitchen Studios, we're going to say goodbye and take care. So goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.